Welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Tony Flynn. And I'm Kevin Decker. Welcome to season 11, the it was not technically needed season. This is episode 23, The Powdered Milk of Human Kindness. Yes, and folks, you remember, of course, that that title is a bowdlerized quotation from Macbeth. When Lady Macbeth is berating Macbeth for being too much of a wuss to stab King Duncan several times in his sleep, says, you are too full of the milk of human kindness. Well, when you have a powdered milk of human kindness, it's not very good milk and it's not very kind. It's what they water down for the kids at the Lower Heights Child Forced Labor Camp. Right. But it is more portable in a certain sense and, of course, less spoilable. So uh, you can take your unwanted pleasantness that Lady Macbeth doesn't want you to flout all over the place and not worry about having that rotten milk smell attending you. Which is why at the forced labor camp, they don't put water in it. They get a few flakes of powdered milk on their tongue, like the way income is distributed in this country. Now, that's a really good point. And the powdered milk itself is, uh, as you pointed out, untasty. They they don't necessarily tell you what kind of milk it is either. It just says big powdered milk on the package. And I remember those packages, Tony, because didn't those used to be like cardboard boxes with some sort of waxy wrapping on the outside that, you know, yeah. if you liked chewing wax, you could scrape your fingernails down it and get a lot lot of good wax to chew. You could, and the wax tasted much better than the little powder clumps that you would get from the powdered milk. Notice, listeners, that Kevin is being really patient with me today because I am recovering, or so they say, from Kofefe, which means that um, my mind is going to wander off into corners and not find its way back. I should probably surrender everything to you, Kevin, from now on. Let me just ask at least one pointed question of you, Tony. Now, I may be in the minority, but I consider you to be a rational human being. You got all of your Kofefe vaccinations and still got Kofefe. Have you given up hope in Western science? I mean, my gosh, that's a huge lacuna in in what should have happened, right? (laughs) Not exactly. I got all five, which means that either the fifth one I got at the uh, Petco parking lot wasn't legitimate, or the reason I'm not sicker and or dead is because I got the fifth one. But I also did a dumb thing. I went unmasked to an event where people were breathing at each other. Shouldn't have gone... Neither should anyone else. I'm never going to do anything anywhere near any other human again. Uh, There you go. It was my fault and the fault of everybody else who was there. Yeah, I I agree. And mostly those other people. Because uh, as we know, you know, everything except for hardcore physics is a probabilistic science. And therefore, there's no guaranteed way of not getting pregnant at all, and there's no guaranteed way of not getting Kofefe, so. Oh, okay. I just want to slip in. I've tried to get pregnant for years. I've given up. Look I at am- me. I'm a guaranteed way not to get pregnant. <laughs> so that Don't in physics. Think- yeah, no, that's that's true. Physics and getting pregnant are things that we still need to work on. Perhaps we should talk about 
what sketches we have today. Yes, we should and we will. And these follow logically from the powdered milk of human kindness. The first is a script from the cruel genius of your pen, Kevin, The Permanent Juror. What's that about? The story about this script is less interesting than my motivation over the years for wanting to write it. I personally find court procedurals to be incredibly boring on television, which is why I typically write mine with the shellfish or our teens who do yoga in the juror stand. So I've had various cast members in mind for the role of a small town's permanent juror who sits on every case, gets elected to that position, and basically just lives in the courthouse. And as various people who I had in mind for this have come and gone in the cast, I decided not to write it down. And here, as we come to the end of the show, at least this version of it, I wanted to finally write this incredible tale and just kind of get rid of it. It is an incredible tale, and you'll find that (laughs) the permanent juror might not take his responsibilities as seriously as we would like. Exactly. After that, we have a commercial, right? Yes, the Men in Charge Parade Float. How many times, especially in November, have you gone to downtown Lower Heights and waited for the Men in Charge Parade Float and wished it could be yours Well, the folks trying to offload our junk as we end the show will allow you the opportunity to get a Men in Charge parade float just for yourself and whatever strange friends you have who also want to see it. If you order now, ladies and gentlemen, we can even put a lookalike of Ted Cruz up on that float for you to throw a beer can at. That happened. Not often enough. Sometimes they stick to his oleaginous frame and it makes an unpleasant sound. And speaking of unpleasant sounds, we end today's stories with another look at faculty meetings, because faculty at your local high school, like here in Lower Heights, ultimately care about their own students more deeply than their own sanity. And in this particular final episode of faculty meetings, we find that all the books are gone, because of course, they might be dangerous, but the faculty have a way to deal with the book problem. Listeners, small towns all across America are notable for their distinctiveness. For example, direct democracy still lives in the town meetings of rural Vermont. In Sykeston, Missouri, you can get your dinner rolls thrown at you completely legally. Winthrop, Washington looks like an old west town. And in Commanding Heights, a wealthy and entitled suburb of Lower Heights, The very distinctive town charter gives extraordinary power to one elected individual. Every 30 years, one lucky Commanding Heights citizen becomes the town's permanent juror. Will everyone please rise? Commanding Heights District Court is in session. Judge Thibodeau presiding. Thank you, bailiff. This is the case of Commanding Heights versus Edwin Slezak, Please show in the jury. Um, I'm sorry, Judge. Something's wrong with the jury box. There seemed to be a pile of pillows, a sleeping bag, and food trash in the corner where Juror 13 would sit. Ugh. Well, I do declare that'll be our permanent juror, young Mr. McTonaghan. Harry, are you in that pile? never can tell. 
There's also a, a really musky odor. Sometimes Harry bunks in the vending machine room uh, for convenience, but he doesn't like the fluorescent lights in there. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, sorry. Uh, during for uh, last night's trial, the scientist who created Jimmy Biomass kept me up pretty late. Legally, that's an important court case. Harry, you've got a bunch of crushed Red Bull cans down there by your feet. Want another? Yes. Sorry, Judge. I can't see very well without my glasses, and I don't know wherefore went my glasses. Which judge is it today? It's Judge Thibodeau. And these, I believe, are your glasses. Hey, thanks, man. Actually, I'm a woman. And is this the remains of your breakfast? Yeah, several of them. Friday afternoon is clean out the jury box day. And unless I'm very much mistaken, these would be your underwear? I was looking for those, thanks. Wow, this uh, jury foreperson is really setting the permanent juror to rights. I love it. Yes, four-person permanent juror fights are both perennial and troubling. Enough chit-chat. I wanted to remind the lawyers for the state... We know. We know. We know. And those representing Mr. Slezak that the commanding Hartstown Charter, adopted in 1837, the so-called Year of the Skinny Bananas includes a rather unique provision for preserving the institutional memory of our cause. It's gone down in the history of democracy as the gold-dondest, most terrible political idea ever. We have one juror who sits on every case. That's me. Please, Harry. And although I've told young Mr. McTonaghan that his duties do not extend to living in our court building, he's decided to take up residence anyway. Uh, it's a crazy little-known subclause of the Charter. Yeah, so I've lived in the building for the last four years, free rent, and it's just good old-fashioned town charter originalism. Henrik Fiorentino, one of the Commanding Heights founders, was often quoted as saying, Home's where the justice is. So, in addition to the twelve other jurors the council have agreed upon, Mr. McTonaghan will also be hearing this case. Sorry, let me pull out my sleeping bag. I realize I'm not entirely decent. For better or for worse, the Charter gives wide latitude to the permanent juror's methods and decisions, including his choice of pajamas, apparently. Are those under ruse? Now, let's get this case started, Mr. Slezak. Yes, your judgeship? Uh, your honor will do, Mr. Slezak. Mr. Slezak, you're here today because of a potentially fraudulent product that you allegedly began selling to retail farmers in this region just six months ago. You call this product Sow Your Pigs Wild Oats. It already sounds pretty dirty. That's correct, Your Honor. It's a device for pig farmers who have immature male breeding pigs, or boars. 
And if they also have coquettish sows, they've got a real problem, haven't they? Because those young boars don't have all day to catch a sow's eye. They've got all that wallowing to do. The Sow Your Pigs Wild Oats, available exclusively from the Edwin J. Slezak family of products and services, takes care of the problem with a durable, inflatable sow that any young pig would be happy to, to well, mount. Oh, objection. I'm not sure members of the jury can object, Mr. McTarnahan. Unfortunately, the town charter says that the permanent juror can object. Uh, Also, that he can read the lawyer's briefs, uh, in his briefs, if he wants. My objection is that the case is too gross. I told people in the office downstairs that after that pansy hollow ritual goat sacrifice case, I didn't want to do any more like that. Ah, but that case, which I was also involved in, was about death. This is about the pig version of the creation of new life. But how does the inflatable sow work? Well, that's a great question. And I've got the answer. And I've got one right here. Let me just blow it up. I'm afraid I cannot sustain the objection, Mr. McTonaghan. When you ran for the position of your generation's permanent juror... It was a joke. So you keep telling us. Most high school students just pull pranks, like putting a boa constrictor in their friend's locker. But you mounted a campaign and everything, and got elected permanent juror. What I'd like to know is why Mr. Slezik's in the dock. Bailiff, what's his charge? The, uh, er, uh, inflatable novelty peddled by Mr. Slezak is alleged to be fraudulently advertised as durable. What's that mean? (laughs) It means, well... Gosh, it's hot in the courtroom today. You ought to work without pants, officer, like I do. I believe what our blushing bailiff is trying to say is that the sow of the sow your pig's wild oats was incapable of physically standing up to the, uh, uh, the insistency of the male pigs. (sighs) Your Honor, with respect... The package says that it's for use by one boar and only one boar at a time. Even so. May the jury inspect the evidence, Judge Thibodex? If the jury for a person agrees, sure. Well, as long as I don't have to touch it, well, it's fine with me. Part of the problem is that it doesn't really look like a pig, does it? Well, Slezak Industries used the best computer-aided modeling to get the aspect as accurate as possible. What did you use as the model? A piñata of a moose? It's not the look that's so important. Pigs have notoriously piggy eyes and weak vision. But when you smear on a bunch of Edwin Slezak's all-natural pig pheromones, not included with the Sawyer Pig's wild oats, the boars go crazy. I can see by the expression on the jury's faces that they are majorly grossed out. Mr. Slezak, do you or your counsel have any closing remarks before I ask them to go to lunch and deliberate on this case? 
only that we're running a buy one, get one sale on these great rubber swine gals right now. If I can get the permanent juror to sign a few, I'll charge you all more. All right, let's have the jury retire to their chamber. Don't you go with them, Mr. McTonaghan? No, they deliberate, waste a lot of time, and I can still veto. Besides, this is my dedicated yoga time. Once again, Harry, I must ask you to not clear the jury box for yoga purposes. Yeah, whatever. I got these new ultra spandex yoga pants today, and I'm breaking them in. If you don't like it, you can thank old Henrik Fiorentino and the town founders. Uriyatabanda. Cool yoga moves. Maybe I can cash in on that. Have you ever thought of selling these uh, inflatable sows as yoga bolsters? So comfortable. Would that be with or without the pig pheromone smeared on it? And that's all the time we have for Harry McTarnahan, permanent juror listener. Simply don't tune in next time. Laverne Lerner here, Men in Charge Special Events Coordinator, with a special announcement. Listener, have you ever wanted to ride on a float in a parade? You know, be in the parade instead of just gawking at it with your mouth all hanging open? Of course you have. Who hasn't? And now, for the first time ever, you can. Reservations are now being accepted for the first ever Men in Charge Timeshare Parade Float Rental Program. That's right. Ever since the Men in Charge Best Practices Handbook came out in October, specifically prohibiting either Tony or Kevin from ever again driving the Men in Charge Parade Float, the flagship of the Men in Charge Motor Pool Fleet has been waiting for a new master of mechanized ceremonies. If you can drive a 1963 VW bus in fairly decent shape with a stick shift and recent muffler work, this offer may float your boat, as it has ours for the past 45 seasons of Men in Charge. Now you can join a new generation of float people as you slowly roar down major thoroughfares, teeming with holiday celebrants and public radio revelers. Holding up to 13 medium-sized adults, our festive Men in Charge parade float comes pre-decorated with styrofoam cutouts, holiday lights, tons of fresh glittering tinsel, billboard-sized photos, like Stalin, of both Kevin and Tony, dozens of buckets and hundreds of cartons of crowd-pleasing favorites that you can fling by the fistful directly into the crowd, including unlimited quantities of gold foil-wrapped tiny carrots, freeze-dried lentils and raisins, and even those coveted Mardi Gras colored glass beads, each embossed with a tiny Men in Charge monogram. Intrigued by our Men in Charge holiday parade float rental timeshare program, but not sure of your dates? Well, once you have determined when the 4th of July is, and if you know 12 other medium-sized adults, call me, Laverne Lerner, here at the station between 8 a.m. and lunch tomorrow so that you can hand over your credit card information. 
Imagine how much fun you can have racing along between three and four miles per hour. Hitching the highway to despair since 2013, it's men in charge. Going my way. Fellow citizens, taxpayers, listeners, and ignorant hangers-on. Have you ever wondered what happens when you drop off your children at school every morning on your way to work, the unemployment office, or the strip club? Join us now in the faculty room at the Upper School of the Asa Threadbare Academy, where the real work of the school is accomplished in faculty meetings. So, where is everyone? Margaret said 3 p.m. sharp, right? Where is she? Exactly where she was last night, Nelson. Still? I thought she'd be out on bail by now. What's that? She's in jail since yesterday. Nelson, you know, you're in charge now. Jail? What? Seriously, Nelson? She got busted by the board for refusing to take those books off the school website reading list and to getting Gail here to remove them from the library. Until yesterday. Yeah, I knew that. But why is Margaret in jail? From what I heard, she brained one of the board members by slamming a book down on her head. Quite a few times, actually. I heard assault. That's what my dad said. Plus, it's in the paper. But I'm the assistant principal. Where the hell have I been? That's kind of what we've been wondering. (sighs) Uh, So, anyway. uh, So, folks. This meeting's been on the calendar since the beginning of the year, and... uh, Margaret usually runs the show, and uh, according to the minutes from last time, it looks like uh, we're supposed to brainstorm. Um, Let's see here. No, actually, Jesus. According to this, we're supposed to be leading prospective family tours this afternoon, right now, instead of actually meeting. Does anyone know anything about this? I'll get it. Yes? I see. Yes, of course. They're where? Fine. Fine. I'll let everyone know. Fine. Yep, thanks so much. We're on our way. Well, apparently they're here already in the library waiting. What? Who's already waiting? What? The tour group. A big bunch of them. Oh, for the love of... Well, um, all right. Uh, Let's go, everyone. All hands on deck. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Nice to see so many of you. I'm Gail Ann Hope Swat, the librarian here at school. Please, please, everyone... I'm lucky to be accompanied by a number of our favorite teachers. And here's our assistant principal, Nelson Piller. 
and between the bunch of us, us, I, I bet we can answer most of your questions. Yes? You over there in the pink? With your hand up? Do you have a question? Well, it's more of an observation than a question. Uh, by the way, I'm Sheila Ormsby Weevil, my son Flanders here, and I have been looking around the school. Uh, it's pretty impressive, I must say. Lots of new counters everywhere and fresh paint, and the athletic fields outside are really quite well kept up. But my question has to do with, well, with the library. This is the library. Am I right? It certainly is. And does your question have to do with where all the books are? Well, yes. I mean, all the open spaces are so wide open. Uh, but yes, I, I was wondering where exactly are all the books? Such a good question. The short answer would have to be, well, they're not exactly here. As you may have heard, we had a bit of a, of a dust-up, I guess you could say, with some of the powers that be. I mean, they were here. The books, I mean. My, my dad helped take them away. They're at our house for um, safekeeping. At your house? All the books? And in the garage. I don't see why. I, I mean... Ever hear of the Adolescent Forbidden Book Index? Came out of Florida last year. And then Texas. And now here, as of last Wednesday. So, that's when Margaret, our principal, was, you know... Oh, I read about that. She's the one in jail, right? So I've been led to believe. My dad always said Huck Finn was his favorite book. And when he saw it was on the list... Well, he kind of said some things I uh, can't say out loud here. Anyway, the girls here and their father were kind enough to chip in and offer us a temporary home for all of our books. Until this whole thing, you know, blows over. So, a library with no books. Yeah. But our football team is kicking some tail. Thanks, Nelson, for putting things in perspective. So... What exactly are we going to do when a student wants to, uh, you know, check out a book that we don't, you know, actually have uh, here? Well, we still have the card catalog. And they could light out for the territories, you know, come to our house and get the book. Somebody's usually home, and we're right on the bus line. This whole thing is so bizarre. Imagine having to take a bus to somebody's garage just to check out a book from the school library. Sounds like 1984. Why? What happened in 1984? It's a famous book, Mr. Pillar. Who was in it? We're talking about the book, Mr. Pillar, not some movie. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. Flanders and I are going to go look at a couple of other schools in the neighborhood now. I appreciate that, you know. And that's all the time we have for today's edition of Notes from the Faculty Meeting Minutes. Join us next time when we hear Principal Margaret say... Well, hello, everyone. I'm back. Anything exciting happened while I was in the slammer? 
Thank you to our cast for today's episode, Liam McMullen, Ann Porter, Terry McMullen, Scott Herrick, Tony Flynn, Kevin Decker, Steve Lloyd, Miranda Lloyd, Nancy Roth, Jody Stewart-Strobel, and Nisha Schramm. Our writers today were Scott Herrick and Kevin Decker, and we'd like to thank The Bad Plus for our theme song. We'd also like to thank the four people who always claim that they didn't see The Fifth Light. Terry Boyce, Vern Windham, Nisha Schramm, Nancy Roth, Savannah Rothy, and the only man whose real name is just a pseudonym, Brian Lindsay.